Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast with Randy Zinn, founder of Beyond Mom. This is a podcast dedicated to inspiration, empowerment, and confidence for women on the journey to selfhood and self-love. Get connected with our expert interviewers, soulful conversations, and deep dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers. For moms and women alike, these conversations will spark you to live the empowered life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as we go beyond. Well, hello there. This is Randy. I'm super excited that you're here today on the Going Beyond podcast. As you know, I very carefully handpick the people I bring onto this show, not because it's like some kind of club, but because I really care about the kinds of conversations that I bring to all of you, to my beloved listeners, because I want everything that you digest on this show to somehow open your eyes to magic, to inspiration, and to, at the very least, takeaways that are going to make your life more meaningful. So I know that today's show is going to be no exception to that. And today's show is with somebody that I myself am getting to know, and it's going to be really special. I know that already. So as you guys know, the mom world and the woman world, like you start to hear buzz about certain people. It starts to be like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And have you met so-and-so? And when you start to hear the same name on the repeat, you start to say, okay, I guess I need to know that person. So the conversation today is with someone who completely fits that bill. Her name is Tina Marie Clark. She is a mother a model, a speaker, and most definitely a storyteller. She has discovered through her own work and her own growth the transformative power of radical vulnerability and sharing magic in the mundane. And I'm watching her on social media do that. I'm talking to her right before I hit the record button. I'm seeing her passion about exploring that. And today we're going to dig into community, into personal connection, into where we can just really get more real and more raw as women, as mothers. And I know this conversation is going to move you. So here she is. Hi, Tina Marie. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so pumped to be on your podcast. I'm so pumped you're here. It's like a beautiful thing. I feel like my favorite part of this podcast is that I get to have amazing conversations with amazing people and share it. So, I mean, what a gift. There is truly nothing else that lights me up more than that very idea of just communing. I always think of it as like the conversation is the shift. Being in this conversation can create some magic for us. So I'm excited to see what we, uh, you know, bubble up. Yes, exactly. So, okay. Tell us, because I'm curious too, like I want to know a little bit about you. I want to know a little bit about where you came from that got you to this moment where you're in the middle of Manhattan, you're a mom, you're exploring all of these deeper parts of yourselves. And most importantly, you're wanting to make an impact in other women's lives. So tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, so I'm doing this self-inquiry with my, I'm starting a website and I was flushing out an about page and I've had to think a lot about this of where really I started and what is important to me. And I was thinking, I have to go really far back. 
to like where I started. And that is, I grew up with two older brothers named Matt and Wayne, and I have a single mother. My mom had three kids by the age of 21. So on her 21st birthday, she's like, all my friends were out drinking, and I had my three babies. So she um, was incredibly soulful, kind, smart, and so driven mom. So I can definitely say that she's been like a fundamental building block in my becoming. And she really instilled some interesting values in me to navigate the world. So when I was in, I would say, elementary school, I started to kind of pick up that my family was a little different. My mom was single. My dad wasn't around. And me and my two brothers, we grew up in government-assisted Section 8 housing. And it was crystal clear that we were poor. And it was like this palpable feeling. It was like a dark cloud that I felt I couldn't escape. I just knew I was poor. My community reinforced that I was poor. And I looked around and I knew that we were different than our community. And that feeling just sucked. (laughs) And it sucked the life out of me, just knowing that I wanted so desperately to belong And so desperately to feel normal amongst my peers. And I just knew my family wasn't. And it just sucked. And I, out of that, the only way that I knew to, like, this is actually pretty brilliant as a little girl. I kind of came up with this, like, cool thing that I could do. I made an identity of this tough exterior to protect myself. Because if I wasn't going to be known as, you know, the pretty girl or the sporty girl or the smart girl or the popular girl, I could at least fill the role as, you know, the younger sister of two brothers that, you know, toughened her up. I could definitely be the tough girl. So I really embodied that and personified this tough exterior for a long time. I was expelled from six schools. I was in and out of alternative schools. I was always cruising for a bruising with authority. Authority was like, don't tell me what to do was my like main line. I wanted to forge my own way. I did not like anybody telling me what to do. I still don't like anybody telling me what to do. (laughs) But as a kid, I really took that on and I protected myself. And I really, I was successful. I was feared. I was really feared and I had my arsenal of weapons. I had my emotional swords. I had my words to use as daggers to protect myself. I had my tribal shield that you could not get past me and my family. And I used those as a mechanism to operate in my world. And at a certain point when I wanted to become a model, I quickly found out that that was not going to work in a professional (laughs) setting. Cut to when I got a really strong, like reality check that that is not going to work. I remember I was backstage with a model and it was my first job and she 
I got in a fight about shoes. I didn't know that you were supposed to break your own <laughs> shoes. And she was like this top model. And I had no idea. I just knew that I was there and I got booked and I was on my first job and I did an incredible job. And despite my performance, I got a call the next morning from my agent. And I'm thinking that I'm getting a call that I did so amazing. And they were so proud and so happy. No, it was, she was so, my agent was so disappointed and so just, it was not in vogue for me to be acting that way. (laughs) And I just remember the crushing sensation that just like it was like a wave of just oh oh my god I messed it up because I got in a fight with this girl and I did such a great job but my behavior outweighed any of my performance and my mom always says I always get my lessons early on you really mess it up early on in the beginning and then you know where to stand and I got my lesson and it was like wait that exterior that thing that you've built up for the last, you know, 10 years, you really have to start peeling back. So modeling really saved my world because it was my entry point into how can I be seen differently? If I have assumed the role of the tough girl, but really what I was, was the poor girl that was scared. How can I have all of these roles Even if I'm in a Chanel dress, if I'm modeling in a Chanel dress and I'm this tough girl and then I'm this poor girl that's scared, how can I like really have relation and be okay with embodying all of those things? I mean, I so love your expression of that because I think that all of us have versions of exactly that dynamic, which is, it's funny because when I'm so glad I asked you to start with like, well, what's your story? Because what drives a human being to be so committed to helping other people grow through vulnerability is of course because you've figured out how to do that for yourself, you know? And it's like when I'm listening to you talk about the brilliance of figuring out how to be the tough girl. Like I, first of all, I love that you can be so compassionate with your little girl self and that she had to survive that way. But I feel like I was thinking to myself, well, what was my persona? Like who was the person in my world that had to, you know, and it's, I almost feel like my story is the opposite. I assumed the role of the sweet girl and the girl that made everyone happy. And like my mom used to call me her sunshine girl because like that was me. But as I've gotten older and I've had to assume the role of business and leader and mother, I've had to struggle to find my tough girl. Yeah, to step into a new role. It's like peeling back that layer. Like, you know, you've layered on this, like, I think of it, you know, you've layered up for the season and you're ready for the sweet girl. And, And when you get back and you're like there as maybe the tough girl, how does that feel? It goes against everything that you have come to know. And it's like opposite. And it's interesting to play with that. Can I be both at the same time? How does that look? How does that speak? How does that feel to me? And who's the person underneath all of that? Like, I think that's the thing. And that's the thing that vulnerability allows you to even question. Who's actually underneath all of these ways that we, you know, play dress up? Who's questioning the questioner? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, who's checking the checker who's checking? Yes. 
Exactly. You're like, wait, there's a lot there. And just being in that conversation of knowing and identifying that there is a role. And most of the time we're acting out a role that we don't even know. And really kind of like putting it on and saying like, where, how do I show up with this person? How do I show up with myself? Like when you said, I love how you have compassion for that little girl. That has taken a long time because I've had to commune with that little girl in my mind for so long. I've had to have conversations. What is it, babe? What is it that you need? What do you need right now? I've had to give her countless hugs and tell her, I promise you everything is going to be okay. You're exactly where you need to be. I have conversations with that little girl. So that connection there is through even identifying that she was there to begin with. So that inquiry is something that I have seen just magic happen when people start questioning that and getting in tune with that, those parts of self. And can they coexist? Okay, so then what happens? So you transform through becoming a model and learning all these lessons and stepping out into the world. Didn't transform. Didn't transform. Okay, sorry. Got insight to transformation. Okay. And started trying it on. Okay. And it was painful. It just was so out of my norm and I it was trial and error and I would go home and I would tell my mom what would happen and we, we would dissect it and it was really the introduction to self-inquiry then I started unbeknownst to me my mom uh, was an avid reader and listener to Marianne Williamson and I word up to her I had no idea that my whole childhood and the underbelly of my life is basically underpinned by the principles of A Course in Miracles. So when I started hearing her speak about that, and then I had Marianne speaking about that, she would give me, like, I think it was A a Woman's Worth. That was one of her first books that my mom gave to me. And we just started this journey of, like, the unraveling of what was going on. So I started doing that trial and error, and then I came to New York. I started figuring out that really when I sunk into and showed up as I actually was, it was a magnet for the right clients for me, texturally, for my like evolution, for my soul's purpose. It was like the grand sifter of clientele for me. It wasn't the highest paying or the lowest paying or the anything. It was the one that was really aligned with seeing me and being seen. And that was my value proposition because I wanted to be with clients that not only saw me physically, but saw me emotionally. And I really got this incredible opportunity to have both where it wasn't just Tina Marie as the model, it was Tina Marie as the soul, as the person that shows up with her nude bra and nude thong five minutes early because she's really dedicated to this job. And it's also the Tina Marie that is a little rough around the edges. 
And can I show up that way? And uh, it was a great, like I said, sifter. I was like sifting for gold. And I got those clients that really resonated with me. And that was by me owning and not pretending, not lying. I remember lying was my best vehicle for attracting that in which I wanted. I would always lie about my childhood. My mom would pick me up from sleepovers and I would tell them that my mom had a Corvette or she had a parrot or whatever. That was me. This is really me using the law of attraction. I was using lying as a vehicle for the life that I really actually wanted. And my mom would be like, oh my God, that was a real doozy. <laughs> she would pick me up and she'd be like, wow, you really, really went for it today, TM. She would never shame me. She would be like, wow, you are creative. And I basically like lied myself into existence because I knew that was the life that I wanted. I wanted to live a life that lived in my mind. I wanted to feel the confidence And in my community, I couldn't feel that. I knew it was inside, but it just wasn't coming out. So when I moved to New York and I was playing with that and I was showing up more as myself without the lies, without the sod, I really, that was my magnet. My vulnerability and my authenticity was the magnet that kept me being able to excel and have the feedback that this is okay and this is good. It's okay to be seen. And the more deep I was able to connect with people with my shame stories or just my life stories, I saw the, like, I was seeing these bonds being forged. And I was like, wait, there's something to this. Like, the more I'm me, the more I connect. And and it started building upon itself. And I, I was trying it on and it ended up being a 15 year incredible career and I am still you know able to do that when I'm able to I have two kids so it's few and far between now we're gonna talk Um, about that (laughs) but when I was able to access that I was amazed yeah I mean it's beautiful story and it's your story And I love it because it just shows the magic that can happen when we are brave enough and willing enough to just be who we are beneath all of it. And that does take support and work and inquiry and all the things that you're talking about. And I hope that the listeners of this conversation are already sort of posing some questions to themselves about like, what's the stuff that's about the external or the roles or the things we've sort of tried on to see how it works in the world as opposed to, you know, what's real. So before we hit the record button, you were telling me about where this has resulted in these circles that you're holding. And I really want you to talk a little bit more about that because that is just like totally my thing. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Tell me about this. So I am hosting, you know, there's, you know, you have friendships and then you have these deep profound friendships but of the soul I consider them soul ships so I hold soul ship sessions in my home once a month and it's women talking about that in which scares them the most 
and we inquire about what that is and how that shows up. And there's an excavation process to even reveal what that is and how you're playing with it. What role you have in where you're at. And that is so cool to have women. And they come from all walks of life. Like, I can't tell you. I really have a really, I want to say, kick-ass tribe around me of women that are just becoming. In whatever role it is, it could be anything. Do you lead the circles? Like, how do you, like, give us a feeling of, like, what it's like. So it's in my home, and it will be, it's conversational. It's really, my approach is the conversation is the shift. If it becomes too heady or too practical or too worksheety, it's not fun. What I want and what I like to have is an environment where we're getting down and jamming out with our friends and being like, oh my God, that happens with you? Oh my gosh, I would have never imagined that. And then you're like, oh, if that happens with you, let me tell you this story. And when you share those vulnerable experiences, you're you're connecting with yourself on a deep level, but also with your friend on a deep level where you're connecting, where you're like, oh, how was your day? How was your whatever? And you're like, no, how is your soul? How is your essence? How are you doing? What is coming up for you? What are your challenges? And working through that and having insight from someone that may have been there or have been there in a different capacity where hearing their story, it landed with the part of you that is the deeper knowing part of you that created this like window of knowledge that you wouldn't have if you didn't interact with their essence of that vulnerable story. I also love, there's something I really love about these kinds of circles, and I can totally imagine this being the case in the groups you hold. There's something about getting together with people that you may or may not know and watching how quickly everybody can connect because it makes us realize that we're way more alike and way more connected than we often think. Oh, I cannot agree with you more. I see it within the first five or 10 minutes. It goes from me to we very quickly. And you're like, wait, like, it's not just like us and them mentality or me. I'm only feeling this. It's me to we. So when you say like, how do you lead these things? I lead them, but we lead them as a group. It's like we lead these powerful conversations and we're toe-to-toe, shoulder-to-shoulder in the abyss of our unraveling and and discovering and the process. So it's I'm leading it, but I'm leading something that we're all going through. And that's the cool part because I get to be involved in the collective exchange and that's why it's so cool. It's so cool. It's the best. I mean, it's like my, we're speaking my language. I love it so much. And I feel like when you witness this stuff, it's like you feel, I feel hope. You know what I mean? Like I feel hope like for the individual, but also for the collective because, you know, we're living in a time that feels very heavy, very intense. We can feel like, you know, humanity is going south or something. But then when you watch people share and hold space for each other and it's like real vulnerable compassion, it's like we have a chance. Like this is humanity. It's the best of humanity. Yes. 
what you said was so perfect, holding space. And I think of the people that have done that for me and who I can do that for. Hold space for exactly, with my girlfriends, we call it the interview process is over, where it's like, you could say the most outlandish things. It's not going to like shift my perception of you. The interview process is over. I'm holding this space for the good, bad, the ugly, the whatever. I'm just, there's a disclaimer on this conversation because I already know you're a good person, but you're allowed to have a multitude of different emotions and expressions and still be able to be evolving. And can I hold some space here for you to just figure it out? I love that. And it brings you to your when you're like, wait, I can hold space because I want space held for me. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit because I know it's related, but I also want to like open up the discussion a little bit to our mom selves. You are a mama and I just know that that role has also grown you because I know for myself it's grown me and opened you up also to the depth of women and the needs of women. So tell me about the mom stuff and like how it's kind of infused into the work you're doing and just who you are? So really, I would say that you can run, but you can't hide. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is that you are before becoming a mom is just going to have a magnifying glass on top of it. And whatever it is that you're not paying attention to, your children will show you Uh whatever it is. It just brings it to the surface. And it also is just an incredible, like you have interaction with these little humans that will show you a deeper understanding if you're willing to look within yourself and they're going to show you. So you, you watch them and they're your guides. And I would say when I hear you opening up that topic, I would definitely say that, my last son, or my most recent son, Lexington, baby Lex, was one of the biggest eye-openers to relationships. And I was pregnant with Lex, and my husband unfortunately got ill with diverticulitis. And it was a challenging time, and it was really difficult. And I was at the end of my pregnancy, and I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, like, he's going to have to have surgery. I remember thinking in the back of my head, like, what if it's the same day I have the baby? Just like a random thought. And then I'm worried about it. And as I'm at the end of my pregnancy, I'm hormonal, pissed off, of wanting to get, you know, this baby out. And I'm having to go every single day to the hospital to be with him and be in the hospital. And up. I remember thinking, like, is this my time? <laughs> is this? Wait, I'm pregnant. You have this diverticulitis. But I remember having, like, this internal battle with my ego where it was like, okay, show up for your husband or be nine months pregnant and bitter. <laughs> so I would go through this, and every time I would go to the hospital to visit my husband, I would have this conversation with my mom, and she gave me one of the coolest nuggets of like inspiration and stories. I love your mom, by the way. So she's epic. I just love your mom. So I tell her how like annoyed I am that I'm like sharing my pregnancy 
with my husband's illness, diverticulitis, and I'm feeling like it got hijacked. And she's, you know, talking to me and she said, I need to tell you a story. And when my mom uses that like tone. It's like pay attention. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she told me and she shared a story that when she was pregnant with my sister, who is, how old is Gracie now? So Gracie and I are like 20 years apart. My mom got pregnant much, much later. And she got pregnant with Gracie. And during the same time, my stepdad needed a knee replacement. So a week before my mom gave birth, my dad had a knee replacement. And my mom said that she, when she was in the hospital, he was complaining about his knee the whole time. And she was like, are you kidding me? I just gave birth via C-section. Do not hijack my birth. Do not do that. And she was just in her own world about her having this baby. And she felt like it was hijacked by his knee replacement. And she said that she held on to that for five years. And I was like, wait, mom, you never told me that. And she's like, of course I never told you that. I didn't want to tell anyone. This was the internal workings of myself. And I didn't know why I was mad. Because the last thing I wanted to do, he was in pain. But that was my birth. And that was a big moment in my life. But it was a big moment in his life. And who am I to say How dare you hijack my birth? So she told me this and she's like, it took me so long to make peace with that. And let me tell you, I don't want that for you. Right. In other words, let's move through this quicker than I did. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I remember her saying like, I don't want that for you. And it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, okay. How can I plan for this? So I remember planning for it and really knowing that I absolutely unequivocally needed to be certain that no matter what happened with my birth, I had to feel empowered no matter what. That was my, I remember thinking like, I don't care if I'm out in the wilderness giving birth to this baby, I will be empowered no matter what the circumstances are. I think that's the story of owning your motherhood. Like, isn't that, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the story is that no matter who's in my life, who's not in my life, you know, my husband travels a lot. And so there's a lot of me having to step in, in ways that I, sometimes I feel resentful and sometimes I'm pissed and you know, I feel that emotion. And then it's like, well, where is the opportunity? Yeah. And the opportunity is for the step in and yeah. owning it and like rising to the occasion of being what I want to be. And we all have those choices, right? We all have those choices. I call it my 90-10 split. I'm 90% of the time okay with that. And then 10% is bitter, resentful, and I have a laundry list. And if you catch me after two glasses of wine, I will tell you. Yeah. (laughs) I will tell you exactly that makes that 10% feel like 70% to him. But I know it's just 10% for me. That's okay. It's okay, but it needs to be expressed. And it happens. So 
I remember when I needed to go back to preparing myself for, for that, I really made a pact with myself that I would be empowered no matter what. And boy, did I need that because I gave birth to my son Lex five weeks early, unexpectedly, while my husband had a tube in his stomach that was open so he could not be in the delivery room with me. And because it was an open wound and I could, you know, he could pass me something or I could pass him something. He had an open wound. And by the grace of God, two of my best friends happened to be with me during this appointment. And I gave birth to my son Lex with my best girlfriend, Bernadette, but by the grace of God. And I created the space to, while I gave birth to him or while I was getting the C-section, we were cracking up. It was already set it and forget it. I had already resolved that in my mind because I knew there was a possibility that it wasn't going to be exactly the way I had planned. So let alone it being a C-section, let alone it being five months early, let alone it's without my husband, let alone it's with my best girlfriend, I had already made peace with the possibility of it not showing up the way that I wanted. And it was through a little bit of sharing with my mom for her to share this story that she's never told anybody. She's going to kill me when she hears this one. But, you know, she told me this powerful story that I had never heard before. And it changed my life. It was this entry point into seeing something different. And I was able to have, so I had the baby and the next day, I had him less than 24 hours and my husband left the hospital room after visiting the baby and then went in, called me and said, I'm having a diverticulitis attack and then went into the hospital. And then it was really another layering up of how can I show up in this world? So there I was with my premature baby in the NICU my two-year-old at home and my post-C-section self. And I am going between New York Presbyterian to Lenox Hill to my home in New York, going back and forth on a rotating schedule in between, you know, breastfeeding and pumping for the my new son. And just, I don't know how I would have done it if I didn't have that preset this all is well, this is all okay. And I am going to become comfortable with the uncertainty of whatever it is that's going to happen because I have no idea. I think it's 90% of the battle of life. The 90-10. The (laughs) 90-10, exactly. It's all about our mindset and about how we go in. I love that you tell these like beautiful personal stories to illustrate these really important life points and truths. It is huge. No, at least for me, it was huge. It was like fundamental. I was like, wait, if this is a story and this is valid, how can I apply this in any experience? So it's like these moments give you insight to like application in different areas where you're like, oh, like, oh, once I got it really big, I can apply this to so many different areas. 100%. And that's the beauty of paying attention 
And I think kind of exactly where we started this conversation, where you talk about finding magic in the mundane, because this is like, this is the human stuff. It's all the things going on when we have babies, we have physical bodies that do what they do. We have relationships that do what they do, but we build from that place of that magic mindset. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to work out. I'm seeing the beauty in every moment. It's funny. I try to be that way. I think I'm naturally that way, but you know, life can throw you a little bit. But I recently came back from a family trip to California and <laughs> there was just like a whole lot of stuff like the time change and the baby. I have a two, almost three-year-old and, you know, she naps and the time change just really messed her up. And the first night we were there, she vomited all over and then I got food poisoning. It was just like, you know, it was just cluster. And when I came back, I was talking to my mom and I was like, you know, this happened, this happened, but the sunshine was so gorgeous and the blue sky and I, we saw our friends and it was so wonderful. And I'm, you know, all in all, I'm glad we went. And she was like, you're such a Libra. And I am a Libra. And I tend to like see the bright side of things. But I realized that, you know, even with the cluster and even with the stuff, and those things are minor compared to your story, it's like, it's in your mindset. And it is in how you see it. So yeah, it's real. I love your storytelling. I love your passion. I love the energy in your heart. Like you can just feel it talking to you. And I just know that Everyone wants to know like how they can be part of your world. So tell our listeners how they can connect with you. So please follow me on Instagram. And I genuinely love connecting with people on Instagram because it's just like this. We were talking earlier about how sometimes this message or even sharing this can get diluted in Instagram and how you show it and how you present yourself. But it really is a mirror into your world and how I can show up authentically. Like I live an interesting life, but what is behind the interestingness? What makes it interesting? And that's a multitude of not so great, not so picture worthy moments. And I think we all need to be reminded of the full picture. So I think of it as the real, real, like the real, real, like what is my real, real? It is not what you see. But when you can add some light to that, that's fun. So Instagram at TinaMarieClark.com or at TinaMarieClark and then SoulExperiment.com. That's my new website. So keep a lookout for that. I'm so excited about that. Yes. Tell us when you're launching that. I will definitely tell you. I'm hoping January 1st, but you never know. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there's always the kink points with the website. So of gotta course. Work it out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, two months out. <laughs> I love it. Well, I feel like I gained a new soulship in our conversation today, and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you for sharing so much of yourself in just this 40-minute conversation. It's like amazing. It's awesome. Yes. So... All right, everyone, follow Miss Tina Marie. I know that you are all going to because I certainly am, and I'm totally going to be coming to one of your circles. I'm totally into this. And I thank you for listening today to the conversation. As I always say, take nuggets of these chats and jot them down so you can look at them, think of them. Don't forget, like, hi, we're busy. We're moms. There's so much going on. It's so easy to forget something that you think made such an impact. Don't forget 
the meaningful moments when they really, really strike you and hit you. So I love you all and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye. Bye.